I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. The life of Eartha Kitt is revisited in a timely and fascinating book, Eartha and Kitt, A Daughter's Love Story in Black and White. It's written by her daughter, Kit Shapiro, who joins me now. Eartha Kitt was born in 1927 to extreme poverty in South Carolina. She was a mix of black, Cherokee, and white who didn't know her father. And when her mother sought to remarry and bring young Eartha along, she was refused, and Eartha was forced to live with an abusive family. It was the source of immense pain that she carried through her life, as Miss Shapiro writes in her book, she was then taken in by an aunt in New York City and later became a student with Catherine Dunham. Her uh, training in dance leads her to performing in nightclubs in Europe and later back in America and on Broadway with New Faces of 1952. She stars in films like Anna Lucasta with Sammy Davis Jr., St. Louis Blues with Nat King Cole, as well as uh, Mark of the Hawk with Sidney Poitier. All this before Kit's birth in 1961, the product of Kit's marriage to the accountant Bill MacDonald. Ms. Shapiro writes of her parents and uh, their marriage with uh, the context of some letters she found after her mother's death in 2008. From uh, playing Catwoman on the television series Batman to appearances on the stage as well as in concerts and cabarets, Eartha Kitt's work in the United States dries up after a 1968 visit to the White House where... At a luncheon hosted by Lady Bird Johnson, uh, she criticizes uh, U.S. involvement in Vietnam. She's uh, soon blacklisted on orders of Lyndon Johnson and smeared by the CIA and FBI. She maintains a following overseas, and only about 10 years later does she uh, find employment in the United States, in particular her Tony-nominated turn as the lead in the musical Timbuktu. I'll ask Ms. Shapiro about her mother, what it was like traveling the world with her mother as a young person to managing her career later on, and what life was like as the daughter of someone Orson Welles once described as the most exciting woman in the world. Kit Shapiro managed uh, her mother's performances and recording career for many years and now manages her estate. She is the founder and owner of Simply Eartha and West, a women's boutique, a fashion boutique in Westport, Connecticut, where uh, she joined me from last week. Visit simplyeartha.com for more. Her book is published by Pegasus Books. Please uh, welcome to the Plants Online program, Kit Shapiro. Ms. Shapiro, good morning. Morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, as I was telling you, I enjoyed the book a great deal. Your, your, your mother's life was just remarkable. Um, let's begin with, with you, though. Um, were you born in California? Yes, um, I was born in Los Angeles. Um, in 1961, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had our, that's where my mother's uh, you know face was. She moved from the East Coast um, in the 1950s, the late 50s, and uh, she'd made a home out there. Had this incredible house that you know in the up in the hills in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and was you know decided to raise her family there. And and um, you you weren't one of these Hollywood kids that would would go drinking or doing drugs, right? No, no, it's quite the opposite. I was a very boring, it's probably still am to a certain extent, um, <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood, quote unquote Hollywood kid. I um I was I went to private schools. I went to the French school um, in Los Angeles, the Lycée Français, uh-huh. and um, you know my mother lived a very quiet life. Um, you know when she wasn't working. And I was not a child. I wasn't, I didn't rebel. I didn't, you know, I didn't act out. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I was a very boring, uh, obedient, um, you know, young lady. Because that's what my mother, 
you know, insisted on raising. And as her only child, I was uh, I was quick to oblige. And but but she wasn't. I mean, we would see her on 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 film or television in concerts. Um, she, she could put on the air of say severity, but she wasn't like that with you. She wasn't a disciplinarian or anything like that growing up, was she? She well, she was. Um, she was a disciplinarian that she was very, you know, manners and mm. behavior were very important to her. But that being said, she was an incredibly loving mm. and, and affectionate mother. Um, and so, you know, she wasn't uh, severe or mean in any form or fashion. And she was very, you know, playful and, and caring and loving and hands-on with me. Yeah. Um, it's been, what, 13 years now since her mother's death? And, and as yeah. I was reading the book, her life seems to take on new meaning every few years or so. I mean, I, I read the part in the book where you talk about race, about, uh, you know, recent events with Black Lives Matter, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. And I, I found um, things she taught you growing up instructive in terms of, of how we can look at race today. I mean, but what were some of the lessons, say, that... that she imparted on you as uh, growing up throughout your life that are probably instructive for people you know in in this time where where race is is, is, is such a, a, a an important issue yes i mean my mother you know people have asked me what would what do you think my mother would you know say about where we are in, you know today in society and and i think she would say you know the more things change the more they stay the same mm. i mean obviously there've been you know great strides have been made but yet you know there's in many ways, it's time, it feels like we've gone backwards. Um, as, as a country, certainly, I mean, you, you know, in, the, in North America, definitely. But um, my mother raised me, you know, she didn't like the idea. She, she protested so much for her life. She fought against the stereotyping of, of people because of the color of their skin. She was born in, in, a, in a little rural town in, in South Carolina, um, and she was called a yellow gal um, when she was a little girl because she wasn't dark enough mm. for the you know for, for the community that she lived in, and she was treated horribly, um, physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused because she was an illegitimate child as well as you know her, her, it, it seemed like her birth father was probably a white man. She never knew the identity of her of her father, mm -hmm. um, but because of her light colored skin, she was treated horribly, and so. She grew up with this this un, this feeling of like I just don't understand how you could treat a, a child, a toddler, an infant, just because they were born, you know, the wrong quote unquote color. And so, raising me, she really fought against my being able to be pigeonholed as to you know what kind, what category you'd have to put somebody in because of the color of their skin. My mother used to say to me, she said, you're like a walking United Nations. You mm. either break every rule or you fill every quota. And, and I think she really got joy about that, that, you know, I was, I had so much mixed blood. You know, my, my father is, a, is an Irish German. My mother was, um, Cherokee, um, you know, and Native American and black African American, mm -hmm. as well as probably, you know, Caucasian. So she loved the fact that I was just this, you know, this, mix of, of, you know, of, of, she would say, oh, you're like a mutt, you know, and, and she said that, with, you know, with love. Right. Um, so, you know, she was so ahead, I won't say she was ahead, she was just one of those people who spoke out con continuously um, against being, you know, treating somebody differently because of the color of their skin. She said there's so many reasons, other reasons, 
to you know to be to not like somebody you know but the color of their skin is just one that's just a total waste of energy so it's when i grew up you know my mother had would 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 talk to me you know constantly about the, the importance of how we treat people and mm-hmm. how we act and and i remember once we were in our vegetable garden in our house in los angeles and as a tiny little kid you know i'm i'm standing there my mother's you know picking the the, the kale or the collard greens and the and tending to the, the the produce, and I saw, you know, like snails and, and little slugs crawling around on the ground, and I would say to her, because slug is not an attractive-looking, you know, a, a being, sure. um, I'm, I would say to her, you know, Mommy, you've got to kill that. It's just gross. It's ugly. And she would say to me, you, you don't have to like it, but you don't have a right to kill it. It has mm. every reason and every right to this planet just like you do. And I remember as I got older, like thinking back on a lesson like that, like the, how would that impact a small little child to be told that something as unattractive as a slug, <laughs> yeah. you know, has a purpose and has a right to be, you know, for its role on this planet. And I think that she had so many of these important lessons that she imparted on me. And, and it was really um, an incredible life to, to be a part of to remember and to go back and to, you know, to relive. And I was truly, truly blessed to have had these teachings. Yeah, it, 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 the book is full of these sort of criticisms, as you call them. Um, you alluded to her childhood. I mean, it certainly wasn't pleasant. It was, it was a, a terrible childhood by all accounts. Um, when she would tell you these stories growing up, um, how would you react to them? And, and uh, I mean, these stories obviously stayed with you, but, I mean, at the time they, they didn't, um, I guess these, were, these weren't things you wanted to hear either were they no no and i mean a lot of the times i would hear the stories as she would you know share them in an interview or with you know with other people because i was always around her um and when she talked about her time in the south um you you know the the pain was still very very real and stayed with her throughout her her entire life and she would often would often bring her to tears a lot of the times you know I didn't understand um, why she had such intense emotions around, you know, her treatment, even, you know, 60, 70 years later. Um, And it was very hard, you know, as a little girl, I wanted to be able to take away her pain and and erase it and, and, and have her forget about it. And so there would be times I would say to her, you know, just why do you think about this? You know, let it go. Get past it already. Uh, and she would say to me, why? You know, yes, it's, it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable to talk about, but it's what made, it's part of what made me who I am. And she would embrace those emotions, those difficult memories, because they gave her the strength to become, you know, to become who she became as a human being. Yeah, there are many scenes in the book where, where it, it, um, it's a remarkable life story where it could be a movie, and I'm wondering, um, why it hasn't become a movie already. I mean, I, there was a Christian Blackwood documentary, um, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen, but I've seen clips of it over the years. Um, right. The, the tremendous scenes of when she goes back to uh, the South, um, you know, even, yeah. even as you mentioned, talking in interviews about, about what happened to her as, as a kid. I mean, have you given thought to, say, dramatizing her life? Yes, we're actually in the process of, of uh, creating, you know, well, will hopefully become a biopic, and mm. also, um, and also, you know, documenting um, these stories, you know, on film, um, because I do think it's important for, 
for you know, like we said in the beginning, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, it's important to continuously remind people, you know, how quickly we slip back into yeah. these behaviors uh, and how easy it is for humans to uh, treat each other so horribly. And I think that we need to, you know, constantly fight against that. And so these creating, you know, documenting these moments in time are important for future generations. The, the, um, she, she had to raise herself, essentially. Um, yes. How did that affect how you were raised, say? Well, it's interesting because, you know, she had no... Um, she, was, she was orphaned at a very young age. Her mm-hmm. mother gave her away um, when she was, you know, just a toddler because her mother went to marry a man who refused to have, quote-unquote, this yellow gal living in his house. So she was, she was given away, and then her mother died very, very young. So my mother was orphaned, and she, like, she, she often, you know, she said, I raised myself. Um, and she didn't have any parenting role models. So it was, it's an interesting uh, study in how she really parented on instinct. Mm. And I find that to be fascinating because she, that's how she lived her life, was really just following her gut, following her heart, and being true to who she was, owning it. And, 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 you know, accepting that and not making it public who she was. And so as a parent, she just went with what, you know, felt like it was right. And, boy, it, it, I think her parenting skills were pretty, you know, spot on. And um, <laughs> I think she was, you know, she was a pretty incredible parent. Yeah, it worked out, you know, with you. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. How did it um, affect how you be, became a parent yourself? Because you write in the book about your kids, and um, yeah. I'm wondering uh, how, how were you different from your mother, say? Well, I mean, I think that I, um, wow, I, my mother was, <laughs> was, was very good at, at sort of allowing me to figure things out you know, and sort of um, by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, for instance, there was there's a story that I tell in the book where, you know, I, I was jumping over this fence, this, uh, this, uh, this link, this chain link um, rope-like thing. And my mother was watching me, and I had on these shoes that were just like these sandals. They were not ideal for what I, for the, <laughs> what I was trying to do. And, but my mother didn't say anything, and, and, you know, and then at one point I, my, foot, my shoe got caught in the, the rope, and I fell, and, and I got hurt. Well, you know, I, I skinned my knee. Sure. Yeah. Um, and my mother would, you know, always talk about these moments about, you know, how, well, you, you never did it again. <laughs> you know, and, and so there's, there was a little bit different. I was very quick as a parent to sort of, you know, say to my kids, don't do that. You know, where my yeah. mother wasn't so quick to, she sort of kept her mouth shut. And, you know, and watched my my reaction to things before she would step in. Um, you know, if she felt that, that that she needed to do that. But one thing that she absolutely gave to me was my ability to you know to love you know my kids and and I think allow them to be who they were. You know, they're they they're a little bit you know independent and and creative thinkers and and they never really fit the you know the quote bill of what, uh-huh. you know, people think they should be doing, um, and I was pretty good at being, of sort of just letting them be who they were, and I think that that's a gift that my mother gave me that I hopefully was able to, to share with my parents, my children. You write in the book about, about um, 
how much you meant to her and and um mm-hmm. it's um incredible love so some people might look at it and and say it it was it was probably too much or that it might have been a burden she, she told ed bradley on on 60 minutes of over 30 years ago now that um after you got married um she went home and um for for about a week or so just just walk around the house walk around the estate just sort of dazed feeling abandoned mm-hmm. by by you uh, you know, starting your life, uh, you know, as a married person. Um, right. How do you, um, I, I know you don't feel that way in terms, I mean, there, there may have been moments where you, you felt that, but but um, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you appreciated the, 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 the closeness between you and your mother. But um, how do you, um, say, say, talk about what it was like? I mean, did, 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 when it was bad, say, if, 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 if at all, did you find it confining? Did you did you find that you weren't able to do what you wanted to do, say? I mean, I didn't. I mean, yes. I think that there, you know, I, I talk about the, and the book is titled, you know, A Love Story. And it really was, a, it wasn't, continues to be a love mm-hmm. story. But that being said, you know, it was, a, in many ways, a typical mother relationship. And as an only child to a single parent, you know, my parents divorced when I was very young, mm-hmm. um, and a mother who, like you said, was so, um, you know, dependent on me, you know, relied on me, she would often introduce us by saying, you know, I'm Ursa and this is Kit, as if I completed her somehow. And yeah. I think in many ways I did. I think I really gave her this family, this foundation that she yearned for her entire life. So I do think, yes, at times it was a struggle as a young person who wanted, you know, we're, you know, we're supposed to separate from our parents, right? We're supposed to be, you know, the little birds we fly out of the nest and we, and we make our own way in the world. Um, and that was not always an easy thing. I felt there was guilt that had, you know, many times a lot of guilt that I was, you know, my mother felt that I was abandoning her, which you know, the irony of this is that we never lived further than like 25, 30 minutes away from each other. Mm. So this, 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 um, this illusion that, you know, that she was going to lose me um, was just all in her, you know, was just a fear from her old feelings as a child of being rejected. Um, but, but you know, I also carry her name, and that's, that's a lot of, you know, weight. That's a lot of responsibility. Um, so, you know, I think that you, as children of, of famous people, struggle, um, even if you, and I don't mean famous by world famous. I mean, mm-hmm, you can be mm-hmm. famous in your own town, you sure, know, or your own yeah. neighborhood. Um, I think that we all sort of struggle with this, you know, separation from our parents. Um, and then when you're in the public eye, it's a little bit more, you know, heightened. And and, and the struggle is maybe a little bit more difficult. Um, but, you know, all in all, my mother always said, you know, you can never love a child too much. And I think mm. that that is, in fact, so, so true. Those words stood the test of time. And, you know, we were always a part of each other's lives, thank God. And we always realized how important we were to each other. And we shared that feeling during her, our lives together. And that is a blessing. So I think that, yeah, I mean, I know that she struggled. You know, my getting married was really hard for her. Um, my also having, you know, my children at times, were, you know, was not an easy thing because they took me you know, away from her, you know, emotionally and physically, if, you know, they had an event or something, even though my mother and I lived very close to each other and and, uh, she was a part of all of our lives, um, you know, it was, it was sometimes difficult for her, 
but that being said, you know, we overcame and we, we were, our, our love was so strong, you know, for each other that we were able to overcome all of this, you know, these struggling moments. By the way, uh, you, you mentioned carrying her name. Um, being named Kit, um, I always took that to, to, to be a Southern thing. I know that uh, Sally yeah. Quinn, for example, named her son Quinn and Carol Channing named her son Channing. Um, that, that's an American Southern thing, isn't it? It is very much so, yes. Um, I, I mean, I also think I think there are other countries that do it as well. But, mm. yes, definitely a, for the United States, it's definitely um, part of, you know, the traditions that the, the Southerners um, continue. Um, and I was going to be kicked whether I was a boy or a girl. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what she would have done if she'd had more than one child. I, mean, I always <laughs> used to say to her. So what would be, I, mean, I would have been like the George Foreman, you know, of, of kids, George Foreman one, George yeah, Foreman two. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, that was something she felt very, very strongly about that, you know, her child should carry on uh, her name as well as, you know, the father's name. The, the, the book um, uh, alludes to a number of letters that, that she wrote to your father. But, by the way, are there, mm-hmm. are there letters that your father wrote to her that you found? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they're so, both. They, they're both. Yeah, I have both of them. So these uh, you found these after she died. Is that correct? Yes, I did. I found yeah. um, you know hundreds and hundreds of handwritten notes. You know, in, in various in various times of her life. Um, but yes, I found this this incredible treasure trove of letters between parents um, early on in their marriage and in my life. That is uh, is pretty fascinating and inc- insightful to into their relationship. I'll bet. Yeah, because I mean, you know, she, she was already a star at that point. Um, she she'd made movies. He was an accountant. And and this is you know right. this, this is all beyond say the race stuff. Uh, it was an unlikely marriage. What sort of relationship did it start out as? And uh, you you glean that from the letters, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think my mother looking to you know I think find somebody who wasn't in show business. Mm-hmm. Um, she as as you mentioned, she was already you know very famous uh, by the time my parents had met, and um, she'd had you know several heartbreaks. Um, from other men who, who are powerful in their own right in public, you know, in public eye. Mm-hmm. And so I think she was really looking for somebody who was a quote-unquote, you know, regular guy. And that's, she, they were introduced by a mutual friend, and, and that's how they met. He had a mother who was a very strong woman, and, I, and my mother admired that. And my grandmother also admired my mother, not because of her fame, but just because she, she, my mother was a very strong, you know, uh, mm-hmm. person. And so I think that my mother felt that, you know, a man being, you know, having a, a mother who was that kind of, you know, powerful and, and the matriarch of the family, that he would, would make a good fit for, you know, marrying somebody like that. It did not make a good fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, at the time, you know, she had hoped that it would. Um, and and so yeah, I mean, I think that it was a very uh, intentional, uh, you know, relationship that she sought and she found in this man. And I, but I do think that you know they had a very deep love for each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember um, where you were when you found out about the incident at the White House? Um, I remember. It wasn't one particular for me. It wasn't one particular moment. I remember. Sort of overhearing, um, you know, rumors mm-hmm. from from my mother talking. Not not rumors as far as you know other people talking. Um, you know, my mother talking to uh, people on the phone or talking to 
uh, her secretary, the people who, who worked for her, um, about what she felt had happened at the White House when she spoke out against the Vietnam War. I don't remember myself, you know, a, a moment where I saw it on the news or mm -hmm. I read it, you know, maybe in the paper. But I was, you know, again, my life was a little more sheltered. My mother kept me um, a little more sheltered, and we had a, a, you know, sort of a private existence aside from my going to school. I, when I, you know, at the lycée, a lot of children um, were from parents who were either in show business or were diplomats um, from other countries. So there wasn't sort of this gossip, you know, mill of, of, you know, what other people's parents were up to. And certainly we didn't have social media um, and television wasn't like it, you know, it is yeah, today. Yeah. So you didn't really know what was going on as a child. I think you kind of were in their own little, you know, child bubble, yeah. <laughs> happily. Um, but, you know, you start, I would hear my mother talking, um, you know, to other people. She wasn't keeping things so much a secret. That she just wasn't, you know, sitting me down and saying, you know, this is what's happened. Um, so, I, you know, it, it was it's sort of a trickle down of of, uh, of information that I that yeah. I that I that I gleaned. Could, could you feel though? I mean, in, in in the lifestyle. I mean, did it change a great deal when when the work started drying up? It changed. In hindsight, it changed. You know, we had already traveled. We're, we're, my mother was always traveling the world, and she took me with her. You know, from my, you know, from when I was an infant. Um, so it didn't really. It wasn't as obvious to me that we we were traveling more often mm -hmm. abroad mm -hmm. because my mother was doing more, you know shows internationally um, than she was in the United States because President. Johnson had put out the word that he doesn't want to see that woman anywhere in right. the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the work here in America uh, dried up, but because she was already well-known throughout, you know, other places in, in the world, uh, she, you know, those gigs were picked up by, you know, in other countries. And so she was luckily able to continue to work. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we would go for longer periods of time to and, you know, or to, to Denmark or to, you know, Germany or to wherever it was that she was performing, um, but it wasn't until I was a teenager and um, Watergate broke, and mm. uh, Seymour Hersh of the New York Times called my mother and told her about the dossier, the CIA dossier that was that had been discovered under the Freedom of Information Act when Watergate broke. Um, that you know, uh, uh, that, that I really understood, and she really understood at that point what she had suspected, but. Um, what she learned to be, you know, true, and, and to what extent that President Johnson uh, really went to um, to put her, you know, to, yeah. to really put her out of work in, in this country. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sadistic, almost um, sadistic. I use the word that that was in the dossier. Um, well, it was <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just a just a, a terrible smear campaign. Um, I, I kept wondering as I was reading that part of the book um, how she felt years later in terms of, of, of bitterness. Did, did she ever want to get even? I mean, did, did it affect how she voted even? Um, no, I don't. I mean, did it affect how she voted? My mother was uh, probably more of a conservative than many people would have uh, but, you know, realized. Um, but that being said, um, you know, I think that she she never felt that she would do it differently. She felt that yeah. she was asked an opinion, and she gave her opinion. And she 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 thought that you know, in in a country where you're where you have the right to your own opinion and you have the right to freedom of speech, she had no. She was quite surprised uh, at to the 
level uh, that they went to, you know, to, 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 like you just said, to really get form a, a smear campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was very disappointing because of what, you know, other people did, not because of, you know, my mother didn't feel that she was disappointed in what she had done. Um, she felt that you always, as long as you speak your own truth and you follow your heart, you can't be wrong. Yeah. It yeah. might be wrong. <laughs> so, you know, um, she never had any regrets, uh, and I don't think she would have done it differently, you know, even even given, you know, what, you know, what she had to withstand yeah. as far as, you know, lack of work. Yeah, I mean, there's no sense, um, as, as I've, I've seen interviews with her over the years, even interviews at the time, you know, press conferences after the incident, um, where she would have backed down, and that's that's to admire, I think, about her, uh, not just herself, but I think of her personality, her grit, her determination, um, yeah. all these challenges. Which is so interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think I, I've, I, people don't often realize how tiny my mother mm. was. You know, she was a, a very petite person, and she had this ferocity of her and this 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 you know this passion about what she felt strongly about, um, and that was you know, injustices and, and what she considered, you know, what she would learn about. And, and she was very much a, a scholar as far as she was very well read and, and knowledgeable and wanted to find out, learn it from other people. Um, and so she was, you know, she really spoke um, when she spoke up, when she yeah. found, you know, when she thought it was important and she didn't back down. And I think it's just such a, it's such a visual when you see her and you realize how tiny she was that um, it, it, it's just who she was as a person. She had this little, you know, I think as a child, she had a, a willingness to survive. And that, you know, I think comes with, there's a sense of, there's a fire inside of you. Um, uh. And, you know, she, she kept, she held on to that and, and was always a little powerhouse, no matter, you know, even to her dying day. Yeah, even even the, the, those final moments, as you describe in the book, <laughs> um, it, it's such a, right. a, a, a dramatic scene. If if one wrote that in a, in a film, one probably wouldn't believe it. But I mean, would you would you take us back to Christmas twenty oh eight and and um, I guess it, every, everyone was away, so it was just the two of you, wasn't it? Yes. Well, we my mother lived three miles from in, in, we live in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, my mother had been um, uh, you know in hospice. The nurses had been visiting her home. We knew that the time was coming near the end was near we didn't know you know the the doctors didn't know if she had weeks or months um and so on christmas day i was alone in her home with her my family was in my home three miles up down the road and my mother who had she'd lost her her ability to speak just a few days prior and, and was sort of just you know, grunting and moaning. I mean, she could hear, and she was she was alert. She just yeah. couldn't uh, the word. She could wasn't able to, to formulate words. Um, at some at one point, she got ill. She was you know she was spitting up, and and I didn't know. I, I was with I was by myself, so I, I called my my house. My daughter, one of my daughters, answered the phone, and I said, "Can you please ask Dad to come here? I need an extra pair of hands." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't think that, that she was dying. She just seemed like she had too much, you know, life. But I just needed another pair of hands. So my husband got there within probably 10, 15 minutes. And at that point, you know, my mother, it's as if she was waiting for me not to be alone. Mm. And that's when she, she clearly was, was not, you know, going to survive the day and let alone a few minutes. And, um, 
my you know she started moaning like it really very uh loud um and and grow, it was very animalistic the, yeah. the, the the noises that she was making and the tears were coming from my eyes and you know prior to these days the the hospice nurses had said to me that she would probably just you know stop eating she would stop drinking and then she would just slowly fade away and just kind of go you know have less and less energy and 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 you know quietly go and so this person who was she was literally screaming at the top of her lungs these guts Sounds and yeah. and I'm you know in a typical sort of daughter fashion you know sort of you know yelling back at her um, yeah. you know because I knew that she wasn't willing to let go she just wasn't letting go and I was saying to her you know you can go I'm going to be okay you can go and it was this moment of she was not going to give up easily even in this time when there was no way she could survive she was not giving up and she was not letting go quietly and it was such a insightful moment in my life as horrifying as it was mm -hmm. you know it's there when your mother is is transitioning yeah. and dying and um it was so enlightening and eye-opening to see that this this is who she was she was a survivor it, come what may it didn't yeah. you know right to the end and i talk about it because it's such a uh, it's such an example of this this person, this human being that I had, you know, been, a, you know, a child of. And, and so I thought it's a really important scene. It's an important yeah. moment to sort of live through with me. And as, you know, and reliving it was, was not obviously easy to do. But it was really, really uh, a beautiful in, in that it just showed who she was. And I think that there's a real beauty in a sense of, yeah. of in, in, you know, incredulity from yeah. that. It, it sort of sums up the life, if you will, and, and um, no more a, a visceral way. Um, where are her ashes now? Um, they, I have them in my um, in my home. Mm -hmm. um, well, there are a few of them that were left in South Carolina when, <laughs> as yeah. I talk about the story in the book, where, when I went down, they, de they declared uh, my mother's birthday, Eartha Kitt Day, in the town, in the state, and, this, um, and we went to an event in the town, and I took a small box of her ashes down there, and, and then um, <laughs> and then I had a very difficult parting with them. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, as my husband says, there's like you know, there's a toe, there's a toe's worth of ashes <laughs> in, the, in the state of South Carolina. Yeah, um, the, uh, my first experience uh, with your mother was, was, was uh, in high school, seeing her on on the, the uh, Larry King show. Um, she would oh. do those music shows with with on the weekend with with people like Vic yes. Damone and Barbara Cook. Now you were there for those, right? Yes, a lot of times I was there. Mm -hmm. Yes. What was it like? I mean, these were people like Robert Goulet. These these were other artists who who she probably didn't work with before. Um, what was it like on the set there with with with, with these these tremendous vocalists working together or singing together on 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 TV like that? I mean, I think there's a, there was a sense of, um, you know, that they, they had this uh, respect for each other. Uh -huh. But I also think there was a little bit of, um, you know, competition <laughs> um, between each other. Um, but you know, I mean, they all came from a generation that that they that they understood things differently. They understood the industry, the you know, the entertainment industry differently, and and. So I think given that, you know, we were in a, a more modern time, um, 
I think that there was a sense of, of, com- of camaraderie. Yeah. And, and the, the remarkable thing, and you can see some of these clips on YouTube. Um, I remember them growing up. Um, you know, the, the way the other vocalists would sing the song would be the way that you would, you know, think the song would have been sung years ago. But when your mother sings them, um, they take on this new life, and, and she, she does it in her own way, her own style, that it makes the song so much richer and, and modern even. It's so true. My mother had a very distinctive um, way of, of interpreting a yeah. song, and I think that that's... Um, but, that, but, you know, and I think that that's really... Well, she understood that that's really what her... Uh, talent like you know and that's why there were only you know she wouldn't sing you couldn't just sing any song you know it had to be something that really fit who you know her her you know how she how she would sing it and how she would interpret it and and it was it would be very interesting to hear things done you know a little bit differently yeah. um and i think that that's the beauty of, of you know creative people yeah and it, it, even it, it was always a performance even though it was a tv show um, and yes. even though yes. a lot of them had sheet music in front of them holding it up, I mean, even when she had a piece of paper in front of her, um, it was still the performance, and it was captivating to watch her. It it, it was, and and I and it is. It's, I think it's, again, you, you could almost see at times the creative juices flowing inside her head, you know, and, yeah. and, and thinking about you know what, how is that next note going to come out, you know, and how is she going to. Um, you sing in response to how somebody else just sang something, and I think that that's that's a pretty unique situation. Those those moments where you get this group of 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 talents around the piano mm-hmm. um, is pretty incredible. And I think that's what you know Larry King was able to to have many of these times and yeah. and, and capture them on tape is is pretty cool. To be like you said, to be able to go back and to watch. Were they paid for those performances or those appearances? I, I should say. I, I don't think I think that there's a union, I see. Yeah. you know, stipend that you get, but I don't think it's yeah. you know, it's not really any huge amount. Do, do um, uh, people ask you if you can do the purr or the growl that she did? Yes, they yeah. often ask me, and the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I have been very clearly told many times in my life that I do not have a nice voice like my mother, <laughs> and that, <laughs> and I have not attempted and. Um, yes, my daughter uh, is the one who is the talent in the family. She, I, it skipped a generation I, apparently, and um, as I say to people, I'm going to go. You know, my legacy will be going from being the daughter of to being the mother of. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your daughter's name again? Uh, my daughter's name. Um, she her performance yeah, name is Nora. Name, yeah. yeah, Nora May M A E. She took my mother's middle name. Oh yeah, Nora yeah. was. Nora was my grandmother, my father's mother's name, and May is my mother's middle name, and she uses that, Nora May. So you manage your mother's estate now. Um, some of her, her later albums, like the, the, the live album from the Cafe Carlisle, um, Back to Business, uh, these are things that I've been listening to on Spotify um, over, the, over the last couple of years uh, regularly. Are, are there more recordings like that, say? Um. You know, the, she did the, the, the back, in, back in Business was, I think, her last album. There are a few songs here and there, and there um, there's, she did, you know, The Wild Party on Broadway, right. where she had, you know, a couple of songs, and then there was another off-Broadway she did called Mimi Le Duck, and it, obviously she performed um, in the national tours of um, 
Cinderella and uh, The Wizard of Oz, and so there's more recordings there. Um, yeah, it's, and I, I produced them um, back in business, which we were nominated for a Grammy for, which uh-huh. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it is interesting to see how my mother's uh, songs and her, you know, continue to be used. Obviously, Santa Baby, something right. we all hear yeah. every, you know, every Christmas. Yeah. Um, and the, and you know, it's no <laughs> no coincidence. I don't think on Christmas Day. Um, I think that was on some level in- intentional. She wanted to make sure that people remembered wow. you know, who the song yeah. was, who the song was uh, was written for, and who made it famous to begin with. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, but you know, there's a songs still. I mean, are used in, in in movies, you know, and television series, and in commercials, you know, around the world. Um, and it's funny. Yesterday I was on Instagram, and, and Viola Davis, you know. Uh-huh. In, you know, messy, you know, uh, tweeted, not tweeted, but um, put something on Instagram about, you know, a clip of my mother's. And, you know, she's still such an important, uh, and, he, and like you said in the very beginning of our interview, even in some ways more relevant, yeah. you know, continues to be because of who the person she was, the woman she was, you know, what, how outspoken she was, how, um, and I'm not going to use the word fearless because I don't think she was fearless. I think yeah. there are many times in her life when she was terrified. Sure, yeah. But yeah. she was uh, able to, you know, just go with, you know, know that she had to, she couldn't be backed down. She couldn't, uh, you know, not be true to who she was and speak her truth. And I think because of that, that strength, um, a lot of women, a lot of young women um, to this day, uh, you know, really look at her as a role model and, and a trailblazer. And when you look at um, Facebook, and her Facebook page is The Eartha Kit, um, you know, we have about 300,000 followers, and, and, you know, many of them, the majority of them are women in 18 to 35, which is pretty incredible um, and says a lot about the, the, the human being that my mother was. So, so when when um, I was just looking at IMDb, and and I noticed that in in recent years her music has been used a lot in in television programs like Ted Lasso, for example. Um, right, which I love. I love yeah. that show, and we didn't know. I had you know they ask for permission to use things so uh-huh. far in advance that you yeah. forget sometimes, sure, and yeah. all of a sudden you'd be watching a show, and you're just like, <laughs> "Wait a minute, there's a lot of." <laughs> yeah, um, it, 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 it's it's remarkable to, to 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 see you know every time I see her on TV, you know, or, or, or I hear her on the radio or something like that, just to to. Um, um, you know, this is the, the person that I remembered seeing on TV all those years ago. And then, you know, I'm not I'm not old enough to remember her on Batman or even, or or other things that she did early on. Um, it, it really is such a rich life and 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 one worth remembering. And yep. and you've done a marvelous serv- you've done a marvelous service with a book, in terms of of um, showing how important she is. Thank you very much. And that is that was I think you know really the impetus for me. You know, my mother. As had always said to me throughout her life, you know, uh, my work will stand, you know, the test of time because it will it'll always be in perpetuity, either accessible through, you know, through music industry somehow or through television and film. You'll always be able to, to find me. But who I was as a person, she said, you know, that is for, for you to carry, you know, on and to share that person I was with, with the, you know, your generation and the generations that, you know, that come after you. And... I think that that's because of her strength and her power and her willingness to to speak up um, and stand up for injustice. 
uh, I think that it's such an important uh, message to continue on. And and we all, I think, have somebody in our lives that we that we look to, that we admired, um, that was important to us, that, that said things. And so I think we all have a legacy. And my mother loved the art of conversation. So the fact that I can write a book and about you know talking about a woman who ha- who was my mother, who happened to be very famous. But it's really deeper than that. It's really about this connection between two people and the importance of, con- of maintaining connections between human beings and, and listening to each other and caring for each other and being kind to each other. And these, these are the messages that I think the book, I hope, will, pe- will be what people share with each other. Um, and carry on, you know, her legacy in that way. Indeed, indeed. I've kept you longer than I said I would, Kit, but uh, just one last question, if you'll indulge me. Um, I, I saw Anna Lucasta this weekend, um, oh. and and uh, she made a lot of movies before you were born, like Mark of the Hawk with Sidney Poitier, St. Louis Blues with uh, Nat King Cole. What is it like to see your mother uh, on screen, as it were, before you were born? Um, it's really cool. I Really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my husband often says to me, he said, you know, I, I'm not going to have the ability to see my parents like that, you know, yeah, to, yeah. you know, to, to watch them in action and to see them um, in roles and with other, you know, when you, you just mentioned, you know, Sidney Poitier and Nat King Cole and Sammy Davis and, right. you know, these, and, you know, these people that my mother was was exposed to and was around are, were so incredible, as was she in her own right, but it's just really, you know, it, it's, it makes me smile, I have to say. It makes me smile. It warms my heart. Um, I was truly, truly blessed. I think the world was blessed to have had her uh, on it, this, on this little planet that we live on. And I, as I say, blessings are meant to be shared, and, and that is what I am trying to do. And thank you for, for writing the book and for your time today. I so appreciate it. Uh, all the best and continued good luck with the book, Kit. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. It's been wonderful talking to you. The website for more is at simplyeartha.com. The book is called Eartha and Kit, A Daughter's Love Story in Black and White. It is written with Patricia Weiss-Levy and is published by Pegasus Books. Uh, Kit Shapiro, join me on the line from Westport, Connecticut. In Vancouver, I'm Joseph Planta.